Dear listeners, welcome to the last episode of Medicine Today on Digital Health, the podcast on digital technology adoption in healthcare in different countries around the globe. This is the last episode under the name Medicine Today on Digital Health, as the podcast will be renamed to Faces of Digital Health after New Year. I'm your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and I'm excited about this episode as I have not one, but two women sharing their insight into a culture that is spiritual, mystical, and specific in many social categories. Enjoy the trip to Japan. Japan is a land of animations, it's a technological superpower and a country with a staggering gross government debt. It accounted for 219% of GDP in 2016. And the long-lasting trend of worsening fiscal situation in Japan continues alongside the increases in health and pension spending linked to population aging, which puts the upward pressure on government debt. If this is not very inspiring, a lot of other specifics in the Japanese societies are admired by the Western countries. For example, the unbeatable longevity. Japan is number one in the world when it comes to life expectancy at birth. The average life expectancy is 83.9 years and 87.1 for women, 80.8 for men. The aging population requires new policies and political measurements to prevent economic collapse. According to the OECD health statistics for 2016, Japan's total health spending accounted for 11.2% of its GDP in 2015, which ranked Japan third out of 35 OECD members. Only the US and Switzerland spend more. And the reason Japan rose to the third spot in the ranking is because nursing care was previously not included in statistics. In 2000, a separate insurance program was launched as part of the healthcare costs in Japan. We have two speakers on the podcast today. Kyoko Watanabe, a digital health investor from Defta Partners, a leading venture capital firm focusing on innovative technologies in IT and healthcare. And Yuri Ueda, MD and director of Health 2.0 Asia Japan. First... Let's hear from Kyoko on Japan, the culture, business and healthcare. So maybe we can start with health in Japan in general. What's the attitude towards a healthy life? It definitely is a big factor when it comes to how healthy the population is. Well, let's see. The main differentiation is probably diet. Japanese uh, in general, they like to eat vegetables and uh, uh, seafood. And also uh, they drink a lot of green tea, which is, you know, good for you. And also, uh, you know, I notice uh, in Japan, whenever I'm in Japan, uh, I'm in Japan I walk a lot uh, because people take public transportation and uh, they walk to the 
the bus station or train station. They, they bike a lot. Uh, the portion of food, it's much smaller in Japan. Uh, a lot of people complain here in the U.S. Uh, when they come here, they gain weight because the portion is much bigger here. The new medical, uh, you know, breakthroughs, um, so treatment of, say, cancer uh, has changed recently. So people live longer, uh, even if they have cancer, they tend to to live. It's not a death sentence anymore. Coming from the venture capital world, how strong would you say the startup culture and the ecosystem is in Japan? Well, uh, it's improving. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's strong yet, uh, but it's improving. In Japan, still, the best and brightest, they are in uh, uh, big companies or maybe government. But it's starting to shift a little bit. And young people uh, started working for startup companies or starting their own businesses. Because it's still, in Japan, culturally, it's difficult to, to fail and start all over again. Uh, that's why probably some people in big company wants to start. But they are afraid. So if in the U.S., failure is seen just as a beginning to success, Japan is more like Europe where you're kind of almost stigmatized if you fail. Yes. So, you know, I talk to people, they want to start a company. But first, your wife will, not wife, then their mother will say, you know, object to it. <laughs> so. so what does that mean for um, innovative companies from the outside? It's hard to get to the Japanese market, especially in healthcare. It's not that difficult. Uh, big companies, uh, they started to change. Uh, originally, they wanted to develop everything in their, their own companies. But now... Uh, you know, a lot of companies are working, you know, with partners and uh, uh, they're looking for new technologies. So from outside to going to Japan and uh, probably finding partners, that difficult or it's getting easier. Uh, but getting into market uh, on their own, uh, still it's not easy because it's a very different culture, just different system, especially in healthcare. It's very different. Yes, I was told that the, the regulation is the big issue because the system is public. Everything has to go through government. Similarly, as the FDA approvals in the U.S., you would have to be compliant with the regulations there if you wanted to get into the healthcare system. Yes, uh, they have a PMDA. It's like FDA in the U.S. So you have to go through PMDA regulations. What would you say are technological strong points of the Japanese healthcare market. So how is digital health developing? It's developing uh, slowly, I would say. Could you uh, maybe say anything about the healthcare system in Japan itself, maybe the culture and how health is perceived uh, in Japan um, compared to maybe the, the Western world? Because Japan is known for a high uh, life expectancy, which also brings the problem of the aging population. Yes, uh, it's um, 
it's a big problem. Uh, right now, probably one out of four people, uh, 25% is over 65 years old. And uh, it's expected maybe by 2025 that uh, it's uh, 25%, one out of four people, it's over 75 years old. So that's, uh, uh, that's going to be a big problem because longer life expectancy is not a healthy, uh, you know, life expectancy. In general, the, the older you get, the more problems you have. So the cost is increasing rapidly and it's, it's, um, it's a big, big problem. Um, I would say more than 65% of cost, health, care costs uh, is for those people over 65 years old uh, older so uh, it's going to get worse so in that sense the market is very specific in terms of needs around technology um, do you see any special development when it comes to new technologies and how is the medtech industry in japan changing uh, in Japan, a lot of people go to a local clinic in, in your town, your uh, neighborhood. So even a smaller hospitals or clinics have um, uh, expensive machines. But I think the problem is not many skilled doctors who can read uh, those images. So I think those, uh, you know, artificial intelligence for imaging, uh, those are, uh, I think, we're, you know, we'll see more and more. And robotics are also very strong, right? Yes, uh, because of aging society, uh, they have a very strong robotics technology in Japan. And uh, also IoT area, that sensors can be used to monitor. Yeah, I guess the the big challenge for for the whole country is how the whole infrastructure is going to have to change. So Japan has three times as high number of days spent in the hospital compared to OECD. Um, and sometimes that's also because uh, if an older person is admitted to the hospital, there's nobody to, to care for that person at home. That's why it's just it just stays in the hospital. But of course, keeping uh, people that need uh, just nursery in, in the hospital setting is not very... Um, uh, cost effective for the whole system. Well, it has to change because it, it's not sustainable. Uh, social security system will go bankrupt if you go at this rate. So they have to change, but it's not going to change quickly. Well, in the U.S., because of the value uh, payment system is going to be be coming. So I think hospitals are trying to change or they, they know that they have to change. But in Japan still, you know, it's, it's based on volume. So there's no really incentive for the hospitals, doctors to change uh, at this point. From the investor's perspective, do you have any insight into what kind of investments are uh, happening in Japan? Like, let's say, for digital health, are there any VCs that are um, diving actively into that topic? How much uh, 
uh, foreign VCs see potential in the Japanese market? Uh, healthcare VCs are uh, increasing, but not that many yet. Electronic medical system is not as uh, prevalent as U.S., and it's not easy to share data yet. So that needs to to change in order to push digital health, I think. But you started seeing more, you know, wearables and sensors. What is the attitude like toward the quantified self? Um, is our Japanese also adopting all these new gadgets for healthcare? I don't think it's as prevalent as here in the U.S., but in general, just people, you know, are more active, I would say. Basically, they have less problems and don't have the need to actually be so attentive to their health care. Yeah, that's my my guess. I mean, I don't see the Fitbits and all these gadgets. Some young people do, but not as many as uh, here in the U.S. Japanese culture is a lot different from the Western societies. One thing that Yuri Ueda mentions is the attitude towards robots. If the first association in the Western culture is the Terminator, the Japanese see robots as artificial humans, kind and friendly. Robots are not only developed to ease manufacturing, but to address different aspects of elderly care, from rehabilitation, lifting, to mental health support. Yuri, you are in charge of the Health 2.0. Asia, Japan, yeah. Yeah. And you're also an MD. Yeah. So maybe we can start from uh, that. How much time do you still use as a working physician? And how does your uh, working environment look like? I still work as a doctor half, half of the week, which is like two days and a half. And within that two days, I work for the home care medicine. We drive to the elderly home or nursing home and then check up their health. I have 60-ish patients on my own. 40 of them, let's say, are in the nursing home, which most of them get dementia. So they don't I sure recognize like what they are doing. And another a half of the uh, half of the day I work as a dermatologist. That's that's just in clinics and I see well in summertime it's our busy season and then in that I see like more than fifty people. That's kinda crazy. So we I can only spend like five minutes or five to ten minutes for one patient. Um, and what would you say are the, the biggest cultural differences when it comes to medical care that you could emphasize in Japan compared to, let's say, the U.S.? Public medical insurance. Basically, all the costs are decided by the government. And so it's kind of like, well, strict, strict for the value. No difference in like whole Japan. Like even if you were in Tokyo or other like small island or something, everything the cost is everything all 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 the same. One very specific 
the difference um, in Japan mm -hmm. or one specific of Japan is a special attitude toward uh, towards the robots. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about how are robots culturally perceived and how does that differ from the West because a lot of solution for, for the elderly population are mm -hmm. going in the direction of robots. The cultural background that we think robots are friends because of the lots of cartoons like Doraemon. Everybody knows it. And that's kind of like the icon, iconic robot for us. On the other hand, like for the US, I, I've heard that the um, Terminator is kind of like iconic robots, which is enemy of the human, right? And how does that influence the whole development of robots? For, uh, for yeah, we think robots are friends. Because of that, um, we kind of like make whole robot look like human. We expect them to express their emotion, emotional thing as well. Well, we do have some like robots, or let's say robot arms, but That's that's just the arm. We we want them to be look like us, so that they can actually express like avatar robot. We can even use the stuffed animal for well elderly or the kids watching service, and the robot home as well. Like we don't need phone to be look like robot. I, I mean like human like robot, but we just you know make it because it's easy or easier for us to see the expression. Actually, like, we, we would like to feel how, or feel or express how I feel by that avatar. So, yeah. When, when we're talking about the aging population yeah. in, in Japan, we were looking at the data before mm -hmm. and uh, saw that 20% of uh, small private clinics mm -hmm. are... Um, Owned and governed by doctors that are over 70 years yes, old. Yes, yes. One out of five. So how much big of a problem do you think that is in terms of digital solutions adoptions? Well, most of the doctors, even not the elderly people, most, lots of clinics are still using the paper, well, paper records. That's like for us. Even the electric medical records are one of the technology, still like the cutting edge of the technology, let's say. Um, electric medical record use was like only 30% or something. In the small clinics, right? Uh, yeah, clinics. The, most of the big hospitals use that, the electric, because that's easier. Next year, we're, The government will revise the um, health uh, public insurance system to accept uh, the, to cover the insurance for the uh, telemedicine. We didn't have it now. Knowing how uh, big the elderly population is, mm -hmm. what does that mean in terms of the number of the nursery homes? Mm -hmm. And is since we mentioned robotics, is any of the robotic equipment actually more widely used? Well, yeah, some of the nursing home are try to use try to for elderly people, like you know, switching the 
bed to I don't know bed to wheelchair. We kind of lack of take care caregiver as well in the nursing home. So we're kind of try to take over some some of the work by robotics. What what are the uh, solutions that you see most when it comes to startups? What are they trying to tackle? What kind of problems are they trying to solve with digital? Let's say we we mentioned the robotics, then there is some kind of like life supporting robots and as well like communication robots like for um yeah for elderly people like watching service via human like robot there's uh, approximately 127 million people um, in Japan so with the aging population the mm-hmm. needs uh, for medical care are rising how yeah. much are um, companies and startups from outside trying to come into the uh, Japan into Japan yeah and w- what barriers are they facing yeah it's it's i think it's really hard i i mean like it's even hard for Japanese startups but um, because of the regulation is the first hurdle what's yeah. so specific about the regulation yeah like I said we cover the whole country with the public insurance system and that so. determines the pricing mm-hmm. yeah the pricing is all determined uh-huh so you have to have all the uh, regu- uh, regulatory bodies um, approval yeah. before uh-huh. anything can be deployed. Yeah, for for the medical, really real medical situation. Uh-huh. But now that um, because we need it, like apps, so that's that don't need to be you know approved as the well medical equipment. It it's just a service. So in theory, a B two C model would be more uh, appropriate for the Japanese market. Uh-huh. However, the problem is that the system yeah. is public. So what's the preparedness uh-huh. of the consumers to actually pay for healthcare? Yeah, and then the the another one is the mindset is quite hard because you know, basically, like when you feel bad, you just go to the hospital, and then that doesn't cost us that much because we cover all for the insurance, right? And we don't pay for the prevention, preventive medicine. That's, that's the situation is uh, the same. I think it's the same for whole world. Last two or three years, actually, well, that's where, when we started Health 2.0 in Japan, more and more like health tech companies are arising. Finally, the government, um, found out that, um, we need technology. So they actually established the, Venture healthcare venture support strategy office or something this year. Um, now that we're kind of like making up the platform to make the ecosystem works. This was the 24th episode of Medicine Today on Digital Health. As mentioned in the beginning, in 2018, it will be renamed into Faces of Digital Health. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Podbean. And I look forward to presenting you views from experts from different cultures in the upcoming episodes. This is a teaser for the first interview in 2018. I'm overly optimistic about technologies and I'm overly pessimistic about people. 
So we are the bottleneck of innovation here. And if you haven't recognized it, the face behind the voice is medical futurist Bertalan Mishko, one of the key digital health opinion leaders. Stay tuned.